Pastor Xavier Reese, confidently leaving the matter in God's hands. He says, cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. He didn't say He would never allow the righteous to be tested. He says, moved. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, all you who are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. And we allow Him to carry that burden and to trust in Him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said, God imposes burdens to see what we will do with them. We may carry them to our undoing, or we may cast them on Him for His blessed countenance. There are few greater burdens to bear than a one-time friend who becomes a treacherous enemy. And Psalm 55 describes such a time of rebellion against David by a trusted companion who betrayed him. And today, Pastor Xavier brings comfort to those of us in similar struggles with a simple truth shared by David who knew these are indeed the kind of burdens that God could and should bear on our behalf. Let's listen. In Psalm 53, we have another Psalm of David said to uh, Mehalah. It's believed to imply sickness. So perhaps it was written during a time of sickness. A contemplation again and instruction to the chief musician. The psalm is practically identical with Psalm 14, describing the godless uh, who deny God's existence. Paul the Apostle speaks about such people in Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through 32, who knowing that there's a God, they deny God, they reject God, and they change the glory of God, and they begin to do outlandish things and perversions of that which God never intended. Verses 1 through 4, their intellectual denial results in immoral life. Verses 5 through 6, their insecurity at the hand of God. And so he says, the fool has said in his heart, no God. There is, it's been placed in there in italics, it's not in the original. So the person who denies the existence of God, he simply says, no God. And he really believes that he's God when he says that. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that does good. There is the total depravity of man, universally. God looks down from the heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have altogether become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. We find this quoted in Romans 3, 11 through 12. And so the humanists tell us that men, men are good. Man basically is good in nature. He's not perfect, but he's basically good. But the Bible declares that man is evil. He is depraved. He says, no, not one. In case there's someone in the crowd that says, how about me? No, not you. No one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread? And do not call upon God. There they are in great fear when no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamped against you. You have put them to shame because God has despised them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion when God brings back the captivity of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. And so we see the man who says there is no God. We live in a very godless generation. I don't know if you're aware, but 
probably for the first time in the history of the United States, we have a present generation that really does not believe in God. They believe more in the humanistic and evolutionary philosophies than everything else. And they really do not believe that there is a God. All you have to do is look to the way people live. It is no big deal to find the average person married three times today. I mean, it's not even honored as marriage anymore. It's not a life commitment. It's till it gets tough that we trust, and then we just call it quits. And there's no real commitment. Why? Because there's no real fear of God. Because they don't really believe it's a God-ordained institution. No conviction. No commitment. Just living for self. And so we are living in a godless generation, and um, this psalm truly reflects um, our day. In Psalm 54, it's a psalm of David to the chief musician on string instruments. It's a contemplation, again, an instruction. When the Siphites told Saul, Is David not hiding with us? And you find that in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 19 through 26. So they gave David away. This was right after Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David in the wilderness. Because David says, Truly there is a step between me and death. And Jonathan came to David in the wilderness to uh, strengthen them. To strengthen his hand in God and tell him that he was going to be the next king. Can you imagine? Jonathan was Saul's son. I mean, he would be the next king. But why did he encourage David? Because he was a godly man and he knew what God's will was. He didn't mind being second man because he knew that was God's will. And so, this is the time when the psalm was written. Verses 1 through 3, you have his cry. Verses 4 through 5, his confidence. Verses 6 through 7, his commitment. He says, Save me, O God, your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. God had dealt with Saul over and over again. He kept rejecting God. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. God was so faithful to David to wipe out his enemies. Now, we're not to pray that God wipe out our enemies. We're to pray for our enemies. We're to love our enemies. And know that God will deal with those who oppose Him. In Psalm 55 now, another Psalm of David. To the chief musician again with string instruments. It, once again, it's contemplation and instruction of David. Regarding personal betrayal. Verses 1 through 8, we have fear. Verses 9 through 15, you have the fury. Of that man, in verses 16 to 23, you have faith. He says, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Here's his emotional distress. A real thing. 
You know, sometimes you may get opposition by different people or something goes on, and there's a real emotional turmoil that goes on inside us, isn't it? And our flesh starts working out, so how can I get this guy? How can I do this and that? And there's a reality, but don't get caught up with it. You need to turn it over to the Lord. He says, my heart is severely pain within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Fear leads to flight. Have you ever felt like that, man? You can just get away. Man, if I can just get out of here, be done, walk away from it. But really, wherever we're going to go, we're going to start all over again. But sometimes we feel like that, don't we? But we can't run from it. We have to face a situation, whatever it may be. He says, Indeed, I would wander afar off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Deceit and guile do not depart from its streets. And so David is, is speaking about just the, the inhabitants of the city, how they're just deceitful. They, they really are not following after God. They're doing their own thing. Verse 12, he says, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me, who was magnified against himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. David is talking about Ahithophel, which you find in 2 Samuel chapter 15 through 17. When Absalom took the kingdom from David and rebelled against his father, Ahithophel was David's right hand man. They had taken sweet counsel in the Lord's house. They had ate, they had, they had done everything together. And when Absalom rebelled, Ahithophel betrayed David and went on Absalom's side. And David says, you know, if it would have been my enemy, I could have taken that. If it would have been someone who wasn't my equal, but this guy was at my right hand. This guy, we, we walked together and everything. Isn't it painful when someone dear to you betrays you? Or someone that you have confidence in and they betray you? Boy, you talk about wanting to get vengeance. And yet God says that He's sufficient for those times. As there's true repentance that we can forgive. And when there isn't true repentance, that Christ is sufficient to get us through those times and those situations. And we can let Him be the ones who's going to bring vengeance upon those people and deal with them. Difficult, but real practical here. The Bible is real practical. It deals with real issues, real problems. Nothing fictitious, but something that's really down to earth. David knew. He experienced it. I mean, he was just messed up over it. He's also a type of Judas Iscariot who would betray Jesus Christ who ate with Jesus and betrayed him with kisses. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwelling and among them. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle which was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides 
from of old. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. See, there's no repentance. There's no turnaround. He has put forth His hands against those who were at peace with Him. He has broken His covenant. The words of His mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in His heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. You know, sometimes you can speak to certain people and you just know them. You know, the minute you're out of their sight, they're going to start conniving. They're going to start talking. They're going to start planning. And it's, it's, it's amazing how some people can do that. They look you straight in the face and they just, you know, they lie right, in, right to your face. He says, cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. He didn't say He would never allow the righteous to be tested. He says, moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction, bloodthirsty, and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. And so he ends up with the confidence in God, trusting in Him. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, 28-30, All you who are heavy laden, come, and I will give you rest. And so we take His yoke upon us and learn of Him. And we allow Him to carry that burden and to trust in Him. Psalm 56. We have a Psalm of David to the chief musician again. It's a mishtam, which means to cut or engrave. The idea behind this is its permanency to be recorded. The occasion is when the Philistines captured David and Gath. We've covered that in another psalm. It's 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 through 13, where he went to Gath and acted like a madman, and he got away by God's grace. The psalm is a lamentation in time of trouble, trusting God. Verses 1 through 7, you have trust in time of trouble. Verses 8 through 13, you have trust for deliverance. Psalm 56, he says, Be merciful to me, O God, for men would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. For there are many who fight against me, almost high. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? So often we try to look at the situation and we can become so afraid of man. And yet the Lord says, don't fear him who can kill the body, but fear him who has the power to both kill body and cast a soul in hell. And yet fear can be intimidating. And we need to remember the Lord. All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps when they lie in wait for my life. Shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the people, O God. Now, again, David's prayers like this are imprecatory. That means he's praying for the destruction. He cries out many times, break their teeth in their mouth. We're not to be praying like that. Though I do believe when we see individuals who are opposing the gospel and being a problem, that we can pray that the Lord intervene and reward them according to their deeds. Paul prayed like that in the New Testament. But we're to look beyond that when we can. In verse 8 he says, You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God I will praise His word. In the Lord I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust. And so there's a second time. So it's a psalm of trust. 
I will not be afraid what command do to me. Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not delivered my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? In other words, he acknowledges God's goodness to sustain him and to give him the strength to walk before God under difficult daily circumstances. None of the men and the women of the Bible lived in some controlled environment. They lived in the real world. Jesus says you live in the world, but you're not of the world. And in the world you shall have tribulation. So be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. In Psalm 57, another Psalm of David to the chief musician again. And it's said to destroy not or not destroy. It's a mishtam of David as Psalm 56 when David fled from Saul into the cave. Verses 7 through 11 of this psalm are identical to Psalm 108, verse 1 through 5. The psalm breaks up verse 1 through 5, a call for protection, and verses 6 through 11, a confession of praise. He says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. There is wisdom to hide under God's protection until the calamity goes by. You remember when Jacob was returning and he knew that Esau, his brother, was coming with hundreds of men and he freaked out. And yet God said, trust in me. And God went before him. I mean, we need to just trust in the Lord even in those difficult times. He says, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among the lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. And so he describes his enemies, their desire to wipe him out. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Notice that David is concerned about God's glory more than his own. He's always concerned with God's glory. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me in the midst of it. They themselves have fallen. So God has turned it on them. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. And so the just I notice he begins in trouble, but how he ends up after he spends some time with God and he remembers what God's word says. I mean, he's back on his feet. He's trusting God. In Psalm 58, it's a psalm of David to the chief musician. It's a psalm of judgment of the wicked. Verses 1 through 5, you have the reason for judgment. Verses 6 through 9, the cry for judgment. Verses 10 through 11, the rejoicing by judgment. He says, do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No, in heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. 
He's talking about the judges. Those who are rulers, those who are in authority of those days. They were so corrupt. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Amos or the book of Hosea or the book of Malachi. Read them once in a while. They cry out against the injustice of the day of society. The judges were taking bribes. The, the judges were just, you know, corrupting God's word. They weren't being obedient to God. And, and such is the, uh, the charges here. These guys are corrupt and they're in authority. We look to our world today and we look to even our government and, and there's no integrity. There's no honesty. Verse 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. And you thought your baby was crying when he came out. <laughs> Sin nature. The men and the babies born. I'll tell you what, that doctor and nurse are very fortunate that baby isn't born with all its adult strength and ability to coordinate. Because after the pain and the hassle that he had coming through that canal, he would do a job on that doctor if he could. <laughs> when you hear your baby crying in the midnight and the three in the morning and he's just crying at the top of his lungs, you better thank God he doesn't have the ability to get out of his crib and grab you by the neck because all he's concerned is with getting fed and getting changed. He's not concerned that you haven't got one hour of sleep for two weeks. He's concerned with him, with her. That's how um, we're all caught up in ourselves. And we see much of that in the world today. Me, me, me. I, I, I. More, more, more. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf cobra that stops its ears. They don't listen and they're poisonous. Which will not heed the voice of charmers. Charm, charming over so skillfully. Break their teeth in their mouth. Oh, David, there's that verse I told you. Break out their fangs of the young lions, O oh Lord. Now, sometimes I feel like that. I do. I have to confess to you. And so David cries here for vengeance. In verse 7 he says, Let them flow away as waters which run continually. When he bends his bow, let his arrows be as if cut in pieces. Let them be like a snail which melts away as it goes. You ever see snail tracks? You know, it's as if he's wearing away. That's the wickedness of man. Everywhere they go, they leave their slimy little prints, you know? Like a stillborn child of a woman, that they may not see the sun. Wipe them out, Lord. Before your pots can feel the burning thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, as in his living and burning wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that men will say, Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges in the earth. In other words, no one gets away with anything. No one. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you and I will never get away with anything. What we don't pay for here, we'll pay for there. But we will give an account to God. And so when you find yourself in times of trouble, in times of despair, in times of, of wanting to call it quits, remember the Psalms. Remember the Psalmists who were men and women just like you and I. And they went through real troubles and they committed themselves to God and they drew from God and they brought glory to God. Two things will come out clearly after all said C.H. Spurgeon, 
There is a God, and there is a reward for the righteous. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing with the simple truth and confidence in God's judgment. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request your own CD copy of this encouraging study from a verse-by-verse study series of the Book of Psalms. Today's message is simply titled, Psalms, Chapters 50-58, through and is available for only $4 upon request. And by the way, we'll be including much more material on the CD than our limited time on the air allows. So once again, the title to ask for is Psalms, chapters 50 through 58. Or you can always just mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths from the Book of Psalms, right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com